Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Join me tonight in Psalm 118. Now, I'd started teaching on the book of Romans. And I full well intended to go back there. And the Lord said, there's some things I want you to say uh, along another line. And so uh, I reserve the right to be led. But, hallelujah, I have pastored one church for 25 full-time years and this one eight years. So I plan to be around a while. So we'll get through it. Amen. Uh I want to deal tonight with seven things that God wants to do for you. Seven things that God wants to do for you. And, and we could even say in 2023. We could probably even say seven things that uh, God will always do for you. But ever how you want to put it, there's actually eight of them, but seven sounds better. And so, uh, hallelujah. But we're going to get into them tonight. Psalm chapter 118, and let's, let's start here in verse 6. Number one, the very first point that you want to write down is God is for you. Say it out loud, God is for me. Say that one more time, God is for me. Tell your neighbor, God's for you. Amen. Now, Psalm 118, notice verse 6, it says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. The Lord takes my part with them that help me. Therefore, I will see my desire upon them that hate me. So notice, God is for me. Now, why is this important? It's important because there are scores of believers that believe God's against them. All right? They believe that God's against them. Somehow, God is not for them. All right, now there, there's no church that I know, no denomination, no group of believers that have it in their tenets of faith that God is against us, or we believe that God is against us. But a lot of people believe that God's looking for an opportunity or looking for a reason to punish them, looking for a reason to, you know, do like little bunny foo-foo, walking through the forest, picking up the field mice, bopping them in the head, Right? That, that, that's what people believe sometimes about God. Amen. And, and it's, it's, it's bore out in what they say. Well, we don't understand everything God does. Right? You never know what God might do. All right? In other, in other words, you can't be sure that God's always for you. Because you don't know what God might do. Amen. Others say, well, you know, God doesn't cause it, but he allows it. Amen. When Pastor Michelle and I went through a very trying time in our, in our life, in our marriage, and, uh, and uh, it, it was a really tough time, and uh, I remember during that time, a man of God talked to me about this certain situation, and he said, well, we don't understand why God allows these things. Now, his heart was right, his intent was right, but what he left me with the idea of is that this bad thing happened to me and God knew about it and he let it happen. And I'm his child. I'm his son. Amen. See, that leaves you with the impression that God's working in partnership with the devil. Well, God knew about it and he allowed it. No, look what it says. God is for me is that what it says who look who's on who's whose side is God on whose side is God on the Lord is on my side right so whatever what, what wherever I'm at I can expect God to be on my side is that right the amplified Bible says the Lord is on my side and here you go and takes my part he's on my side 
and he takes my part. God's never going to partner up with my enemy. He's never going to partner up with the other side. He's on my side, and he takes my part. Amen. Do you see that? God's not working through people to oppose you. Amen. God's on your side. And notice what it says. And he's among them that are helping you. Oh, hallelujah. Say it out loud. God's among them that are helping me. Mm, do you see that? See, God is not a condemner. God's not a fault finder. He's not trying to find fault in you. Remember what he said about Jesus in the Jordan River? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well, the book of John chapter 17, Jesus was praying to the Father and he said, the revelation I want them to get is that you love them just as much as you have loved me. So God would never look at Jesus and say, this is my son that I'm well pleased in and then look at you and say, I'm not pleased in you. Amen. He's not a fault finder. God's not picking at you. You ever been around somebody just picked at you? Just picked at you all the time? Poked at you? That's not God. God's not picking at you. Amen. Here's one. God's not bringing trouble into your life to see how you'll respond. But you'll hear people say that. God let that happen just to see how they would respond. No, he didn't. The Lord is on your side. Right? Say it out loud one more time. The Lord is on my side. So he's not bringing trouble to see how I'm going to respond to it. He's not letting something bad happen to me just to see how I'll respond to it. He wants things to go well for me. He's on my side. Think about that. God is on your side. Woo, glory to God. Amen. You, you, you know John chapter 3, verse 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But very often we forget to quote John 17, uh, 317, and God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Why is that important? God is not the accuser. God's not the fault finder. Amen. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. I'm going as fast as I can. I've got a lot to get to you tonight. Hallelujah. We may have to exercise executive privilege and go a little over that hour of power. Not a lot. Romans 8, 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now this is, this, this is such a familiar verse, but get this revelation. What this is saying is this. If God is for us, then it really doesn't matter who is against us. If God's for me, it doesn't matter. And did Psalm say God's on your side? Then God's for you. Oh, hallelujah. It really doesn't matter who's against us. Yeah, but this, this is against me, but God's for you. This is against me, but God's for you. This person's against me, but God is for you. This situation is against me, but God is for you. God is on my side. Right? Is, is that right? He said, though a host would encamp against me, I will not be afraid because the Lord's with me. That's why we, he could say in Psalm 91, a thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you because the Lord is with you. Hallelujah. In 2023, God is for you. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? Hallelujah. Look at verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who will lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Amen. The Amplified Bible says, He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him 
freely and graciously give us all other things. Now, now think about this. If God gave up the very best he had, and he did, then it is impossible for him to not also freely give us all other things. Hallelujah. If he gave up Jesus, he can't hold anything else back because we already have the Son. If he gave up Jesus, and he did, he can't hold anything else back. That was the best. That was the epitome. That was the top. Oh, hallelujah. Anything God would hold back, he'd have to take back from Jesus. Because everything Jesus gave us, God gave him. And Jesus gave it to us. Do do you see this? And Jesus has already given it to us. So God can't take it back. To take it back, he'd have to take it back from Jesus. To take it back from you, he'd have to go take it back from Jesus. And the Bible says he won't do that. Why? He's for you. I said he's for you. Do, Do you see that? Who can bring a charge against you? That's a rhetorical question. Isn't that what he said? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can bring a charge against you? Right? See, the answer is nobody. Who can bring a charge against you when God justified you? When God justified you. Even when you do wrong, you do know this, even when you do wrong, God has still justified you. Still justified you. Amen. God justified you knowing you were going to miss the mark in your life. And he justified you anyway. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. He declared you to be righteous. Knowing that you were going to miss the mark. Why? He's for you. He's on your side. He's in your corner. He's got your back. God God does not throw people away. God doesn't just decide, I'm done with you. I'm finished. God says there's always a chance. There's always an opportunity. There's always a tomorrow. My mercy is new every morning. My grace is unending. Everything that I want you to be, you can still be it because I'm for you. Hallelujah. Yeah, but I I messed up last year. Yeah, but aren't you glad God gave you a new year? Gave you a new year. You're just in the first week of a new year. And God wants you to remember, I'm for you. I'm for you. I'm among them that can help you. And if I'm for you, nobody can be against you. If I'm for you, it doesn't matter who brings a charge against you. I've justified you. Jesus died for you. That settles the issue. Settles the issue. Pastor, if you knew the mistakes I made, I don't know the mistakes you made. But I know you've been bought by the blood. I know you've been forgiven by the Savior. I know that whatever you were no longer exists. I know that that's gone and God does not even think of you in that light. God is not for the sinner. God is for those that have made Jesus their Lord. And He said, if you've repented and you've given me your life, I'm for you. Amen. And he's not for the sinner because he can't be. Because they won't won't submit to him. But yet, Jesus shed his blood so he could be for them. Oh, my Lord, I've preached myself happy already. The whole message here is that God is not the one that condemns you. God doesn't condemn you. I've heard people say, God brought this up to me the other night. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. God can't bring up your past because he doesn't remember it. And why doesn't he remember it? Because he just don't want to? Because it doesn't exist. You can't remember something that never existed. You just can't. Amen. I cannot ever remember committing armed robbery. Because I've never done it. I know people that have. (laughs) But because I'm like God, I don't ever bring it up. You know, Pastor Michelle robbed a a donut store. 
And what's so funny is Pastor Nancy Dufresne was at our church in Kansas. And uh, so we were asking, I was, I was joking with her a little bit because she was talking about where this church she was at and they brought Krispy Kreme donuts to her and how good they were. Well, of course, we got Krispy Kreme in, in Kansas City. I don't eat them, but they tell me they're good. And, and the point is, I asked Pastor Nancy, I said, would you, would you like us to bring you some donuts in the morning? And Pastor Michelle said, we go right by a donut store, we can bring them. Pastor Nancy knows her testimony. And she said, Michelle, if you brought me a box of donuts, I would have to ask you how you got them. She would have to require a receipt. God doesn't require receipts. I can't remember doing that because I never did it. See, you're, if, if a, oh Lord, I'll get into this and I won't get away from it. If, if you are still living, if you're still living in the memory of who you were, it's because you've not come to the reality of who you are in Christ. Everything I was, it's just that. I was that. I'm not that anymore. I am a new, brand new, brand new creation in Christ. Old things really did pass away. And all things really have been made new. And because everything's been made new, God is for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I didn't say God was for you. God said he was for you. And God can't lie. Not won't, can't. And can't change and won't change. And the God that cannot lie said, look, when you look in the mirror, you can say without reservation, there's a man or a woman that God is for. God is on my side. How you know you're going to make it. God's on my side. My Lord, my Lord, that was worth coming to church combing your hair for. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? Notice what it says. Who's he that condemns? Verse 34. It's God, it's Christ that died. Yea, rather is risen again at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. Listen, I heard a man say this one time and it, it blessed me so much. He said, this is a finger wagging moment. Who is he that condemns? It's Christ that died. It's Christ that died. Right? Rather is risen again. Who's even at the right hand of God and makes intercession for me. Don't you condemn me. Amen. It's Christ that died. It's Christ who is risen. It's Christ who's at the right hand of God interceding for us. Do you realize why Jesus is living? To intercede for us. He, Hebrews says he ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. Oh, glory to God. That's what he does. That's his job. Is to intercede for us. God is so for you. He put a man in the Godhead whose job it is to intercede for you. A man that knows what it's like to suffer the things you suffer. And knows what it's like to be tempted in all points, yet without sin. And he can intercede for you. That's why the Bible says when you miss the mark and you repent and you need help, you can then come boldly into the throne of grace and find help in your time of need. Am I helping you tonight? How can God ever be against us when Jesus is interceding for us. What does that tell you? God doesn't want to be against you. God doesn't want to be against anybody. Jesus. The son of God. The one who went to the cross. The one who paid the price. Went the distance. Come on, did he go the distance? He went the whole way. Is that right? This places him in a very powerful position. This gives him a great deal of voice before the Father. Because the book of Philippians says that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And because of that, God has also highly exalted him 
and given him a name that is above every name. Do, do you see that? Because of his obedience to the Father, he now sits at the right hand of the Father in a highly exalted position above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, and has been given to be the head over all things to the church, that's us, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. He says, the Amplified Bible says, or the Living Bible says, that the church is a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Hallelujah. How can God be against you? How can God not be for you? Amen. Do you see that? Now let me say this, and, and I, heard, I said this, uh, I think it was in Walking by Faith, the series, and, and I made this statement, that so many believers live their life like this, that, that, that God just can't stand them unless he's looking at them through the blood. And they'll even say that, I oh, thank God, God doesn't look at me, he looks at me through the blood. And the only way he can stand me is if he looks at me through the blood. God's not looking at you through the blood. The Bible says the blood of Jesus cleansed you from all unrighteousness. Have you ever been around somebody? I got to be careful with this. Have you ever, I, let, me, let me say this. Have you ever been around somebody? That, 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 you know, they had worked hard all day and they had sweat in their clothes. And, you know, in, instead of changing and showering, they just put on a lot of cologne. And you could still smell the stink through the cologne. And it made it even worse. That's what people, that's what people are, are doing and thinking when they say the only way Jesus, God can stand me is if he looks at me through the blood. I'm still an old, dirty, rotten, no good sinner. But there, there's a shield of blood between me and God. And I'm shielded from his justice. And I'm shielded from his anger. And he looks at me through the blood. Mm -mm 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 -mm. No, the Bible says that I came to him with garments that were spotted by sin. But I was dipped in the blood of Jesus. And the blood took away every spot. The blood took away every remnant of sin. I was a sinner, but I came through the blood, and I am now a saint. How can God not be for me? Hallelujah. Yeah. Shall we move on to number two? Number two, God is with us. God's for me. God's with us. Let's go to Psalm 23. Now, very often you'll hear people reference that, you know, Psalm 23 is usually read at funerals, and they act like that's a bad thing. Well, it's a beautiful psalm. It's a very poetic psalm. I have no problem with that, but we're not at a funeral. Psalm 23 and verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Notice this, God is with us all the time. He said, if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil because you're with me. He's with me. So, so, so recap briefly, God's for you, and now he's with you. Mm -hmm. this, this, this is not referring so much to natural death, it can it's not so much referring to natural death as it is referring to the fact that every day in our daily lives, we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death all the time. We, we live, spiritual death is all around us. I was talking to Brother Joe before church. The, the walking dead are everywhere. Right? Right? You, you, know, you know, there's a great fascination now with zombies and the walking dead and the undead. Every, when you look around the world and you look at you look at sinners and you look at people that are without God, they, they think they're living, but they're they're really the living dead. They're, they they don't have a life. And and the psalmist says, even though I'm walking in this valley where the shadow of death is, I won't fear because you're with me. 
Amen. So this death doesn't get on us because we've been made alive. Oh, isn't that good news? The, the Bible says, he, you have, he quickened together with Christ and raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I've been made alive in Christ. Amen. The shadow of death is cast on us, but God's with us. And the Bible, what's the Bible say about, about God? It says, He is a sun and a shield. A sun and a shield. He brightens my pathway and He keeps that shadow of death off of me. Hallelujah. God is with me. Say it out loud. God's with me. Say God's for me and God's with me. In 2023, God's for me and God's with me. Number three. We are never alone. Never alone. Now, I'm really going to date myself and probably date some of y'all if you remember this. But we sing this song in church. No, never alone. No, never alone. All right? That's what we sang. I see some of y'all going, my Lord, I know. But it was a good song. I'm never alone. But the point is, we are never alone. Look at Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 Verse 5. Am I helping you? Woo! I feel like I'm, I'm a, just a flowing faucet. You know, I, I've got nothing better to do with the rest of my life than preach the gospel to you. Hallelujah. And I just want you to know I'm more committed now than I've ever been in my life. To see what God wants us to do. We've been praying in these prayer meetings for a move of God. For an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. For the things of God to begin to manifest. We're going to see that in the name of Jesus. Hebrews 13 verse uh, 5 and, and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Notice for he has said I will never leave you or forsake you. So that. We may boldly say, mm, the Lord's my helper. I will not fear what man will do to me. The Amplified Bible says, I will not, I will not, I will not in any way leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Oh, hallelujah. Say it out loud, I'm never alone. Notice he says that three times. I will not, I will not, I will not, most assuredly. Amen. See, God's not a fair weather friend. You ever had a fair weather friend? Somebody that was with you as long as the weather was fair? Right? And the minute things kind of got tough, you looked for them and they were gone? Gone. He's with you in every situation. He's with you in everything you face. You are never alone. I've talked to people before and they say, Pastor, I feel so alone. And I know what they mean, but you're not. You're never alone. Why? Because he said, I will not, I will not, I will not, under any circumstances, relax my grip on you, most assuredly not. I won't do it. So where's God right now? With you. With you. If you're single, he's with you. If you're married, he's with you. Amen. If you're lonely, he's with you. If you're hurting, he's with you. If you don't know what to do, he's with you. He's right there. And we're going to get into that in a moment. He's right there beside you. And he's not there just to pat you and hold your hand. You're going to get through it and that's going to be okay. Nope. He's with you to deliver you. No, no, notice Psalm, Psalm 91, verse 15. Psalm 91, verse 15. He's with you to deliver you. You know, God is a very intentional being. And He doesn't just show up to show, to, to be there. God's not there for the paparazzi. Right? I used to know ministers that if there's something big going on, 
in town, they would go and be a part of it just because they wanted to be seen. God doesn't show up just to be seen. If God shows up and he's, where is he? He's with you. That's right. If he's with you, he's there for a reason. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. If, if you get the concept of the bigness of God, if God is with you, he's with you, number one, because he wants to be with you. He's with you, number two, because there's things he wants to do for you. And he's with you, number three, because he promised he would always be with you. Now notice Psalm 91 and verse 15. Mm. He shall call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him, now we could say in trouble, and I will honor him in trouble. So if you're in trouble, where's God? And what's he doing? Delivering you and honoring you. Oh, isn't that good news? Tell your neighbor, God's with me to deliver me and honor me. And it doesn't matter what you're, you, you need to be delivered from. God doesn't ask what you need to be delivered from. He says, I'm big enough and God enough to deliver you from whatever you're dealing with. All you got to do is follow the prerequisite here and call on me and I will answer you and I will deliver you and I will honor you. Hallelujah. When, 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 when a person, a believer misses the mark, the first thing the enemy wants them to do is quit trying to get a hold of God. And, and, and it's hard. I know it's hard. You say, how do you know it's hard? Because I've been there. The best thing for you to do when you miss the mark, when you fail, is to repent and then get right up and call on God. Lord, I missed it there, but if you'll help me, I won't miss it again. If you'll help me, I'll put that away from me. And what God say? I'll deliver you. You call on me and I'll answer you and I'll deliver you and I'll honor you. I'll, one, one, one verse says, I'll set you on high. What, what does that mean? I'll deliver you from your enemy and then I'll put you in a place they can't reach you. Where's that place? In Christ. In Christ. He said that those that are bought by the blood of Jesus, the wicked one cannot touch them. Glory be to God. Shh. Mm. I'm never alone. In 2023, you're never alone. Oh, glory to God. Number four, He is beside us. Now, I said, we said God is with us, and beside us and with us seems like the same thing, but I can be with you and not beside you. I'm with you in this room tonight, but I'm not beside you. The Bible says that God is beside us. Look at, at Psalm 16, 8. Mm. Think these are good things the Lord wants to do for us? Psalm 16, 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Now, the New Living Bible says, I know the Lord's always with me. I will not be shaken. He's right beside me. So he's not just with you in the vicinity. He's right beside you. Oh, hallelujah. 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 He's right beside me. When? When I'm in trouble. When I'm facing situations. God's right beside me. Look at Jeremiah 20 and verse 11. This, this, is a, this, is, this is something for you to declare every day. Hallelujah. Well, I'm glad I come to church tonight. Jeremiah 20 and verse 11. The Lord is with me as a mighty terrible one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and they will not prevail they will be greatly ashamed. They will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. Hallelujah. The, the, the New Living Bible says, The Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. 
Hallelujah. What does that mean? God is not just with me passively. The Bible says in the book of Exodus, you remember what it says about the Lord? It says, the Lord your God, he's a man of war. In Joshua chapter 5 and chapter 6, when, Je- when Joshua was outside of Jericho, and remember he was, it was the night before they were going to go against Jericho, and it says he looked up and he saw a man standing there with his sword drawn, and Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or are you against us? And it was the pre-incarnate Christ that looked at Joshua and said, I am come as the captain of the Lord's host. And his sword was drawn. Amen. He wasn't just there to visit. He was there to do business. He was there to do work. And and then the next verse in chapter 6. Very often we try to separate him. You can't. Because it's the Lord speaking. And it says the Lord. The Lord that was standing there with his sword drawn. Said unto Joshua, see, I have given into your hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty man of valor. The Lord of hosts was there. The captain of the Lord's host was there with the host of heaven. Jericho fell because of Joshua and the Israelites' faith. But it was a supernatural occurrence that involved the host of heaven and the captain of the Lord's host. Jesus was bringing his people into the land. Amen. I was going to teach on that one night about about the different appearances of Jesus in in the Old Testament as the pre-incarnate Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Jesus led the people of Israel through the wilderness. It says He was a rock that followed them. The Bible says it was Jesus in the burning bush that talked to Moses. The Lord said... The Lord said, take off your shoes, the ground that you stand on is holy ground. So God, with God, Jesus himself, came down into Egypt and delivered his people out of bondage. Glory to God. Jesus opened the Red Sea. Jesus defeated Pharaoh. Why? He's not just with you passively. He's not there as a sweet, gentle shepherd, just there to comfort you and pat your hand. He's there as a mighty warrior standing beside you. And woe be, the Bible says, to your enemy that comes against you when your captain is by your side. Hallelujah. Because he's got a sword that comes out of his mouth. Glory be to God. Do do, do, do you see that? He's with me. Means something that he's right beside me. Hallelujah. My goodness, that's good preaching. Not just with us passively. Let me say it this way. I'm saying some amazing things. Not, not just with us passively. You know, passivity is another nice word for unbelief. God's not with you passively. He believes in you. That's why he's with you. That's why he's beside you. Say it out loud. In 2023, God is beside me. Mm. Number five, God is in us. So he's for us. He's with us. We're never alone. He's beside us, and He's in us. Look at Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself For me, I live, yet not I. Christ lives in me. Uh, It's good to have God for you. It's good to have God with you. It's good to have God beside you. But Christ is in us. God is in me. Oh, hallelujah. 
1 John 4, 4, you know what it says? It says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. The greater one lives on the inside of me. The greater one, the greater one than what? The greater one than anything you'll face. The one that's greater than any problem. The one that's greater than any accusation. The greater one lives in me. Notice what it says. You are of God. You are out of God as a source. You are the, you, you are the, the, the offspring of God because you were born again by the seed of the Word of God. You have God's DNA in your spirit. And He says you are of God, meaning you're a born overcomer. You are of God and you have, you have, you have, you have already overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Brother Hagin always used to say, we got to become God inside minded. God inside minded. You have to be conscious of the fact that God is in you. God is in me. Amen. The greater one in me will put me over. The greater one in me will put me over in every situation. I always win because the greater one is in me. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's what you got to remind yourself of. Well, how am I going to make it? The greater one's in me. Right? That, that song Keith Moore sings, the greater one's in me. The greater one's in me. The mighty Holy Spirit is living in me. Amen. The greater one is in me. But I'm facing this, but the greater one's in you. Yeah, but this looks tough, but the greater one's in you. They said I can't, but the greater one's in you. You are, think about this, you are of God. Now what's that do to your old sinner saved by grace mentality? You are of God. Amen. I wouldn't go back to that putrid pig trough way of living for nothing I don't know how people do it I don't know how they slog through the religion to try to get a prayer up to God oh Lord I'm so unworthy and if you could just bow down your ear and hear my prayer to such an unworthy worm as I and then wonder why God never answers their prayer he can't answer their prayer because because they're not approaching the throne boldly when you, uh, amen, how do you know you're going over tomorrow? The greater ones in you. You are of God. And because you are of God, you've overcome. Because the greater ones in you. Amen. When is he in me? Now. When is he beside me? When is he with me? When is he for me? Right now. Right? The greater ones in me now. Amen. You, you would do yourself a favor to go every year. And, or, or every day, or every week, or whenever you do it, and remind yourself, the greater one's in me. Well, how do I overcome this? The greater one's in you. I just can't seem to get a, a handle on this that I'm dealing with. The greater one's in you. God inside-minded. I'm not limited to me. The greater one lives on the inside of me. That, that, you know, when the Bible says you're the temple of the Holy Ghost, it's saying something. You're the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. One translation says, the Shekinah glory of God moved out of a temple made with hands and took up residence in you. And then people have the nerve and the audacity to act like they're nothing. I've told you all this, but my mother's sitting here on the front row. And she heard the song. She knew the man that wrote the song. We were in a denomination and knew a man that wrote a song that they sang in church. And people hubbubbed and bubbed over and cried and woohoo and just bawled. You know what the name of the song was? I'm a worm. God is my witness, that was the name of it. What's that? I'm going to crawl on my face like a worm to the throne of God and hope that you'll show me mercy. Wasn't talking about as a sinner, was talking about as a Christian. As a Christian, I'm just a worm. I can still remember my dad saying, oh, foot. Not a worm. 
does that guy get off saying that? And my mother just said, well, I don't know. I'm not one either, so I don't know. I'm a worm. The greater one lives in you. I am solidly convinced that people are going to stand before Christ because those of us that are born again are not going to stand before the judgment seat of God. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account not for only what we have done with our gifts and our callings, but what we have done with the fact that the greater one lived in us. Amen. Whew. That was number five, right? Number six. He is beneath us. Now, before you think funny of me, I don't mean beneath us as in inferior to us. Look at Deuteronomy 33. I'll be done in just a few minutes. You got, you got a few more minutes? I want all of that, I want all of that kind of thinking to be gone. You remember when you were a little kid? And again, my mother's sitting here, dear Lord, she knows all. I remember one time, I went to Christian school when we lived in, in Florida, and I, I went to Christian school, Sunshine Christian Academy, in the sixth grade. And uh, on Wednesdays, we got out half day, because you had to go to church. You know, you're Christians, you go to church on Wednesday. That's what people used to think. And uh, so he got out for half a day. Well, all my friends had to go to school whole day. So I had a half day, I'd be playing, doing whatever. And uh, I saw the school bus stop at the end of our, our street. We lived on a cul-de-sac at the end of our street. And so I'm running to meet my friend. My best friend lived next door to me. You know what his name was? Frankie Del Vecchio. Can you imagine what nationality he was? Nonetheless, I'm running, and I tripped and fell. And, and, and we had this, uh, this uh, real rough asphalt street. And, man, it just cut a gash in my knee. Well, I have to go in, and my mother, as much as I love her, she did not have the best bedside manner. I've heard more than once, if you just hush your mouth, it's going to hurt. That's what it does. And so anyway, but I love you now, because you don't doctor me. She pulled something out of the medicine cabinet called iodine. Better known as pain in a bottle. And here's my point. She wanted to put that iodine on. I had gravel in my knee. You know what she had to do first? Pick the gravel out. You know what I'm doing a little bit tonight? Picking the gravel out. You, you got to lose every, every thought that God's not for me. That I'm a sinner. That I'm unworthy. That I don't qualify. How long did I teach you from Colossians 1.12 that God qualified you to be a carrier of the glory? He qualified you. I didn't qualify myself. He qualified me. Mother picked that, 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 that rock out of my knee, took that iodine dropper, and put that iodine in my knee, and it burned like fire. I screamed probably like a girl, if I remember correctly. And she bandaged me up. I know I was screaming loud because I went outside, and Frankie said, what in the world was going on? Heard you yelling. But you know what? She got all that gravel out, scraped that wound, doctored that wound, and in a few days I was better. The enemy is counting on some little bit of gravel being stuck in your spirit and stuck in your thinking. If, if you'll just let the Word of God wash it out and wash it out and wash it out. Just let it wash out. And remind yourself all the time. I Listen, the enemy will try to bring my past against me. He'll try to bring your past against you. Just open your mouth and say out loud, the blood of Jesus Christ has purged my conscience from dead works that I might serve the living God. That's what happened to me. It's been purged. 
The book of Psalms chapter 19 says the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Isn't that what it says? I've read different translations that says it makes every part of you perfect. I sat in my office with a lady one time that was a believer. And she came in and she was in bondage. And she thought she needed some kind of deliverance. My life is just, I feel so unworthy. And I said, sister, you need to go home and you need to read Psalm 19.7 over and over and over and over again. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. I said, you don't have a demon. You don't have a deliverance problem. Your problem is you don't think you're worthy and you need to let God restore your mind and restore your soul she came back to me in three months and said pastor I've been doing this and I have such freedom I have such victory it wasn't laying hands on her it wasn't casting something out of her it was her letting God pick the gravel out of her life and wash her with the washing of the water of the word of God and she could actually believe that God was for her God's for me. Did you find Deuteronomy 33? Well, I told off on mom. But as you can see, I turned out all right. Deuteronomy 33, 27, the eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. Underneath what? You. And he will thrust out the enemy from before you and shall say, destroy them. Another song that we sang when I was a kid growing up in church. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarm. Leaning, leaning, I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. Is that right? Underneath you right now are the everlasting arms of God. Hallelujah. It's not, it's not because you've fallen and he's picking you up. It's to keep you from falling. And notice what he said. He said, and he will thrust out the enemy from before you. Oh, glory to God. His everlasting arms are holding me up. That's why I won't stumble. That's why I won't fall. Because the everlasting arms are holding me. Isn't that good news? Isaiah 41.10, you know what it says. He said, I will upheld you with the right hand of my righteousness. The right hand throughout Scripture is representative of the strength of God. And notice where, notice where the righteousness is found in God's strength. I will uphold you by the right hand of my righteousness. What does that make me? Stable. Right? If you watch the news or you listen to anything that's going on in the world, there and, and, and I'm so tired of, hear, of hearing preachers get in concert with the world. And, and I'm not critical of nobody, but I'm so tired. I can't tell you how many preachers I've heard. Unstable times, uncertain times, worst times ever. Well, they haven't lived forever. How do they know they're the worst times ever? Right? I've got people in here that lived through the fuel, the, the gas crisis and the fuel crisis of the 70s. Anybody remember? I, I remember we were living in Florida at the time, and we used to have to sit, we would have to wait for an hour to get fuel. And you might get up there, and they'd say, there's no gas. Have, have you had that happen to you yet? Well, gas prices are out of control. No, they're not. They're actually down. They're down since summer. You know why people don't want to talk about that? They don't want to give the current administration any credit. They're afraid if they talk that things are getting better, that they'll have to give the administration credit. I'm giving God the credit. He told us that when we see supply chain issues, we say, I do not expect to be affected. Here's the question. Have you been affected? Why? The everlasting arms are under you. You can't cause me to have a shortage when the everlasting arms are under me. You can't cause me to be short when, when the Bible, oh my God, when the Bible says that the hand of the Lord is not shortened. Nothing worse than a God with short arms. And the Bible says our God, His arms are not shortened. His arms are underneath you and they're everlasting. 
And it's His strength that's holding you up. I won't lose. I can't lose. He said, when they say times of recession, you say times of refreshing. And that's what we're having. Well, Pastor, what do I do then? Preachers that are talking about instability. Turn them off. Turn them off. Don't, don't listen to them. Because, 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 listen, the enemy's always trying to seed your mind with thoughts. And he'll seed your mind with thoughts with somebody that's got a Bible open. That's how so many of us in here thought we were just old sinners saved by grace. Some well-meaning preacher stood up behind the pulpit with a Bible open and took the word out of context and taught us that we were just old unworthy worms. And that's why it was so mind-boggling when you heard you were the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. And you shall move forward. And you shall see God use you in a special way. And the enemy fought your mind for a number of weeks and months. And yes, even almost the entirety expanse of one year about mistakes and failures. And you would get a word from God. And you would go back to the failure and back to the mistake. Well, the Lord says from henceforth and forever, you shall be remembered as Sarah the overcomer, the doer of great things for God. Oh, hallelujah. I believe God. Hallelujah. Number six. I'll be done here. God goes before you. God goes before you. So God's for me. God's with me. I'm not alone. God's beside me. God is in me. God is underneath me. And God goes before you. Look at Psalm 139. Let me hurry a little bit. Psalm 139, verse 5. Notice, you have beset me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. The New King James Bible says, you've hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. The New Living Translation says, you go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. See, God's not going before us just in the sense of being a few steps ahead of us. He's just out there ahead of me. God has hedged me before and behind. I got a hedge before me and behind me. Now, God can do this because God doesn't dwell in time. He doesn't dwell in time. God is an eternal being. No time. Now, the reason why this is so important is all of us are time-locked. No matter how, you know, we believe that tomorrow's going to be a good day, but you don't know what's coming tomorrow because you can't get there yet. You understand? But God's ahead of us. He's already in tomorrow. He's already in the next day. And notice what it says. He's hedged me about. Do, do, do you see this? God is not hindered by the changing of the years. God wasn't affected by 2020. It didn't affect him at all. God wasn't affected by what's going on in any, in any situation. God lives in the eternal realm. And because of that, he knows the future like the past. Here's the problem. There are too many believers that know their past better than their future. God knows the past or the future like he knows the past. And he not only knows the future, he's been in the future. 
Now, I don't want you to just grab that and, th- and, 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 and out of a, a religious sense of commitment. Oh, yes, God's ahead. God has been in your future. Not only has God been in your future, He's been working in your future. Mm. He's been in the future. God's already been through 2023. Though, folks, you say this, you can quote it with me. God sits high and looks low. In other words, what they were trying to say is God has a panoramic view of everything. He's already been through 2023. So get this, the one who's for me, the one who's with me, the one that's beside me, the one that's in me, the one that's holding me up, and the one that will never leave me or forsake me has full knowledge of what's ahead of me. Full knowledge of what's ahead of me. And he's already gone through your 2023, here you go, and paved a path of victory for you. When people ask you what you think is going to happen this year, victory, victory, overcoming. Well, how do you know that? God's already been there. And know what it says? Amen. Now notice, he's walked through every situation. And everything that could happen that we might not know about. God's already seen it. Now, now remember what I said, one of my first points. God doesn't know things are coming and not do something about it. Because he's already been there. That's why walking in the Spirit is going to be crucial. That's why we got to be led at a whole new level. Is that right? Everything that we may expect to happen, he already knows it is not going to happen because he's already been there. See, there are people that are saying what they expect to happen. God knows it's not going to happen because he's already been there. And the world will keep trotting out their doomsday prophets that have never been right. They just trotted out another one here on a news program the other day that his first failed prediction was in the early 1960s, late 1960s, 70s. He's a biologist from some liberal college. And he made the statement back then that there were going to be 240, 200 or or, uh, 40 million people die in America and and there's going to be a large spread famine and And all these millions of people were going to die. Well, you know, I lived through the 70s, and that didn't happen. Then in the 1980s, he said, by the year 2000, Great Britain won't exist. All the people are going to die off. There's going to be billions of people dying. Now, I'm telling you this for a reason. The world keeps trotting these people out. And people keep listening to their failed predictions that have never happened and won't happen. And while I'm there, I might as well just speak loud to be heard. I'm tired of preachers getting up behind the pulpit and wasting good pulpit time to talk about conspiracy theories. All the famine that's going to happen to America. And you, I, I wish they would read the Bible. I challenge you, you go through the Bible. You do whatever you want to do. But you go through the Bible and find me one famine that's listed while the church is on the earth. Find it. You'll have a hard time doing it. And I'll tell you why, because it's not there. There's no famine mentioned until the church is raptured. Yeah, but they had famine in the early church. They had famine in the world during the early church's birth, and the early church took up an offering and took care of the church in the area that it was being affected. If you're, if you're looking for famine, you better change because you'll get famine. I'm looking for abundance. I'm nearly done. Just bear with me. He's already walked through it and marked a path for you to follow. 
Pastor Michelle and I were watching a program the other night about the, the, the deepest cave in the world. It's, it's in Mexico. And these people are, 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 are plumbing the depths of it. And they have reached a point in that cave where it's so deep that they are six days from the surface of the, of the, of the earth. Six days. Six days deep into the ground. Well, you're watching that and you're thinking, number one, you're thinking, why? Why would you want to be six days under the ground? I don't know. But then you're thinking, how would they know how to get back? Matter of fact, we were laying there the other night and we asked that question. And then we saw them. They had some, some kind of material that they were either taping or, or something to the rocks. They were marking a path to get back out. God has already marked a path for you to follow. And you know what? There's not one part of that path that ends in a brick wall. There's not one part of that path that ends going over the edge of a cliff. Oh, hallelujah. Why? He's ahead of us and behind us. And this is an extra point. I said seven things. Remember I said there's really eight. He's ahead of you, but he's also behind you. I, 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 Isaiah 52, 12 says that he will be your, well, we better read it. Because uh, you got to see this. And I'm almost done. I've went a little over tonight. Didn't, well, I did mean to. I'm not going to lie. I'm in it. Isaiah 52, 12. You shall not go out with haste nor by flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear ward. Your rear ward. And you know, I, I grew up in church where they'd shout about that. Oh, yes, hallelujah, my rear guard, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But now watch. Not go out with haste means you won't run around scared. What would you do if I told you the devil's not got you on the run in 2023? People laugh about that. Yeah, yeah, I got the devil on the run. He's chasing me. Ha, ha, ha. Not funny. <laughs> I mean, it is, but you know what I mean. You, you understand where they're at. He said, you won't run around scared. The devil won't have us on the run in 2023. Nothing happening in the world scares me. Doesn't bother me. What if the world comes to the end? Where are you going? What's the worst thing that could happen to you? Heaven. Think about that. That's the worst thing. The worst case scenario for you is glory. Hallelujah. So think about this. He's been before us and planned the way. He's not going to leave us. And he's also behind us as our rear guard. So you're protected from what's ahead of you. He's not going to leave you. And you're protected from what's behind you. Seven things God wants to do for you in 2023. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up tonight, shall we? Say it out loud as you're standing up. God is for me. God is with me. God is beside me. In the front. In the back. I can't be defeated. I won't quit. Everything's going my way. I'm an overcomer. I'm born of God. Everything is going my way. In Jesus' name.